When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you remember The Rum Diary with Johnny Depp? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember The Legend of Tarzan with Alexander Skarsgård yep, and Margot Robbie? Gone. And do you remember Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe origin story with Henry Golding that came oh out in 2021? No. Absolutely. I thought you meant like... Big budget bomb, that was. Yeah. was quite funny is that like, I, had, I had these bad headaches you know like when you're achy and shivery like yeah. a sort of viral infection or whatever it is it's really horrible and I have these like headaches that could be like sinus headaches like behind the eyes and this and I've got I've got to Monday and I've not had a coffee for like 48 hours now right and I'm thinking like oh these headaches I just can't it's come and I'm starting to feel better on the Monday and I just go oh you know what? I'll make myself a coffee I have a <laughs> sip of coffee <laughs> Headache's gone. Yeah. Headache's yeah, yeah. just completely like gone. Withdrawal. I was like, oh, I'm actually just an addict to caffeine yeah. as well as being sick. And I probably should have had caffeine. But um, yeah, I had two mums bring me soup. Nice. I had my mum bring me soup and then Tally's mum bought me a chicken soup. You um, well looked after. I didn't bring you anything. I'm sorry. No, but I, I sent you well wishes. And we pushed the recording, didn't we? I know, we did. This is actually the day it's meant to go out. We've had to push things. Oh, yeah. Sorry if th- things were late. I, I was... Yeah. I, I could think I got to see all of our strangers before I fell. Yes, I tried to watch Masters of Air like closed with my face smushed on a yeah. pillow, like through a slit in my eye vision. I was like, "This looks good," and yeah. I think it deserves two eyes. Yeah, Austin Butler looking very dashing in a. Uh, oh. He looks like he's ready to shoot a watch commercial on a runway. Yeah, you know, sort of. When I see the advert for Masters of the Air, it reminds me. Someone once said to me that when the the perfect description of the word handsome or the perfect application of that word handsome is can you imagine that person as like an RAF pilot? Right, yeah. And so they're like, handsome and dashing, both words. That's like what you... It, you imagine them in the shearling jacket, leaning up against yeah. the Spitfire. With their friends. Like, that's handsome. So, yeah. like, I don't know. I have something... Like, Paul Meskel. Is Paul Meskel handsome? I don't know if he was... I don't know if you describe him as handsome, attractive, sexy, yeah. I can good-looking. Ima- I can imagine Would him Would you describe him... You know, I can imagine him like in a little white t-shirt with the cigarettes rolled up into the Oh, I into see. The, yeah. Into the Very car. American, I see. Yeah, I can, yeah. Or a boiler suit, maybe. Well, the sort of Navy aesthetic is, or Navy, Army, yeah, military Army. aesthetic in cinema is quite American. They I do suppose. love to kind of make films about it. Yeah, I think that's because, I don't know. I could go into <laughs> it and I realize, I don't, I, I, I've not been ill, but... Um, I made the mistake yesterday evening. I was just telling James of uh, I met up with a friend for some drinks. Haven't seen them in a while. Didn't have any dinner, and I drank three martinis. Three, three, three. You're not so meant many. to do them. You're not meant to chase them with another no. one. Two is cheeky. Two is really cheeky. Three is like, are we okay? I mean, and I'm, Tom I'm Draper. getting. It's the morning, and I'm okay. Oh, my mum's calling me. You keep going. And I've got some peppermint tea. But my goodness, my goodness. And there was a point last night when I thought, I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't know where this is going. You just text me and you're like, I'm in Bangkok, man. Yeah. <laughs> three martinis. You never do three martinis. Yeah. But anyway, we are here and we are recording. And actually, I have something that I'd like to discuss. So several listeners to the show sent me a link to this okay. last week. And it was about tea. And okay, here we as go. you know, if, if you're a new listener to the show, you'll know that, tea, well, you won't know, but tea is a regular conversation topic here because i'm i'm boring and i bring it up all the time so people sent me this because what are you a, drinking today i'm drinking peppermint tea because i've already had two caffeine teas and peppermint's nice and soothing i yeah. won't be drinking any martinis anytime yeah. soon um this u.s scientist uh believes that adding salt to a mm. cup of tea is the key to make a perfect tea which was you know outrage across britain thought pieces articles written people losing their minds i'm pretty sure there was a rishi sunak outside the comments having to comment on it i've heard about you know no that's it's really quite extraordinary rishi's kind of you can't put salt in a tea rishi is um if you ever see that i think we've talked about this on the show before when he gets interviewed by the kids and he talks about how he loves coca-cola 
Yeah. High fructose corn syrup. He has yeah. that kind of list. High fructose. So he'd be like, yeah. tea and salt. Well, I, I, I. I'm a coke <laughs> addict. He's trying to pretend to be a normal person. Yeah. Well, I, 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 uh, I, I don't, I, I don't drink tea. Mr. Scenic, we have to leave now. Thank you very much. Yeah. People think you're actually weird. Yeah. Anyway, so she says, this scientist explains that salt added to a cup of tea in, 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 in a tiny pinch. amount, a pinch, less than a pinch even, the salt acts as a blocker to the receptor, which makes tea taste bitter, especially when it has been stewed. By adding a pinch of table salt, an undetectable amount, you will counteract the, counteract the bitterness of the drink. Mm. She says it's not like adding sugar. People think they're afraid they'll be able to taste the tea. She urges tea-loving Brits to be open-minded before uh, prejudging her research. Um, she also adds that to make the perfect cup of tea, she recommends using loose leaves over tea bags. Everyone knows that. Yeah, That's classic. Giving the drink a constant stir so the tea gives good exposure to the water and milk. Yes, we know that. Adding a squeeze of lemon juice can also remove the scum that appears on the surface of the drink. She also, uh, she also suggests making it in short stout mugs, which I believe this would be a kind of one, mm -hmm. uh, to keep the tea hotter and warming up the mug. Told, I've said that. I've yeah, always said that. With the... Um, and Especially then only add the milk in after pouring uh, the tea. Well, she's making yeah. it in a teapot. Um, she also says, don't heat the water up in a microwave. Now, I, I would never do that. That's criminal. But I would reheat it. If my tea's gone a little bit cold, I think it's okay to put it in the microwave for like five seconds. Um, would you ever like one of those like, heatable mug, heating mugs, the ember mug? What, that heats itself? It stays warm. You set the temperature you like your tea at and it keeps <sighs> it warm. Yeah. Maybe I think I don't you're, you're think good. about those as like, it's all a bit new, a little bit new tech. Yeah. It's all a bit, I like classic things. Like an analog, an analog cup. What's wrong with a good old cup? Yeah, I mean, how can you, you can over-design a mug. I think, okay. I don't, <laughs> They've done it. I mean, they really have. Yeah. I remember I used to work in an office where they, um, it was like an over-designed uh, bin. And you'd go to, oh, so basically God, so it, it was, you go to put, open and they would like self-open and self-close, but it, and it, never it would, does it it would right. never synchronize. And then, and then the mechanism breaks and everyone just has to like, with their little finger. Yeah. Get and I'm like, yeah. I'd, who needed this? We yeah. were a pedal bin. A yeah. pedal bin was fine. Pedal was fine. Anyway. Mechanical. Yeah. Simple. In Japan, they love, uh, it's very clean in Japan from what I hear. I've not been, but they have um, seven, you know how like in the UK, you get two, sometimes three different holes for bins. You get like a general uh, recycling and maybe like a paper and card one. They have set, they have like seven of them, and they're like hyper segregated for for bins. Wow. Yeah. Well, we had quite a few at work, and uh, it was you know jet, we had waste recycling, yeah. glass, plas uh, other types of plastic, yeah. and crisps, crisp packets. One oh, specifically, specifically for, for crisp, crisp packets. packets. Like, it's very British. Can you put your crisp packets in there, please? Everyone come back from lunch after the Tesco meal deal. <laughs> I feel like that's not for recycling. I feel like that's just one guy who likes to collect crisp packets. He's like, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take it's them. There's like one British guy. Like, yeah, well, I've got all the walkers. Irons, irons out yeah, the quaver packets. Makes like little quilts out of all the packets. Someone's done it. I like always seeing um, the change in design from, because you forget, like you take a Walker's crisp packet, yeah. how much that design iterates bit by bit over the years. And then you look at like a crisp packet from 1992 and it's got such a different, like yeah. skeuomorphic 3D popping out design. And everything now is incredibly two-dimensional, yeah. neutral, plain, depixelized. The the Pringles moustache how now has like no detail in it. It's yeah. just the swoosh. Whereas before it was like bristles. It was a full personality. In it. Yeah. That man had a life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Now Pringles. Like this very sort of Wally-esque animation. Mm. Yeah. Welcome to episode 113 yeah. of Pulp Kitchen. Last week we reviewed... Oh God, Georgia! I, it was a long please. time ago. Hang it on, was the kitchen, the kitchen, and, and the end we start from. Thank you. Go listen to that if you haven't. We also put out two bonuses last week. We did, we did the yeah, bonus about our reaction, reaction to the Oscars, and we also put a bonus out with our conversation with James from Raiders of the Lost podcast. Uh, apologies for the bad audio on that. I did do my, I did my best to fix most of it, and I promise you, it's not as bad for most of the episode. But there are a couple of times where it did just spike. I'm sorry, it was set too high. But um, we, we we were moved. recording in a new environment, so it was some teething issues. So uh, please bear with us for that. But this, but still week, a great episode. Definitely go and check it yeah, out. James it was good fun. From Raiders of the Lost podcast was lovely, and I hope you've been checking us out on. Instagram and TikTok as normal because we've been posting new videos new with the film bites, interviewing people in the street, which is quite fun. More of those to come. But this week we are reviewing two exciting films. We've got 
Society of the Snow, which a lot of people have, uh, it's become like a word of mouth. Requested. Uh, yeah, a lot of people requested it. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. People asking, when are you going to do Society of the Snow, which is on Netflix at the moment, we'll be doing that. And we'll also be doing very much the film at the moment, which is All of Us Strangers, which we did review about three months ago when I saw go it at the London out. Film Festival. You can That's episode 98, I want to say. Go check that out there. But we're also going to do it in the main episode this time because it is very much mm-hmm. uh, the film of the moment. James has been to see it. Yep. We've got a lot of emails about it. So we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about it in non-spoiler terms in this episode. And we'll probably do a bit of, couple, a bit of spoiler detail in the bonus episode for later this week. That's what we're doing. Look at that. A bumper, a bumper episode. So let's do Society of the Snow, which like I said... It kind of uh, came onto Netflix at the beginning of January. I think it's become this kind of word of mouth spreading hit. It's been nominated for Best International Feature at the Oscars this year. So very much current film. Uh, It is showing in some cinemas, but like I said, predominantly on Netflix. Uh, Directed by J.A. Biona, who did The Impossible, Monster Calls, The Orphanage, and less less great, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. But, um, you know, fine. I don't even remember what happened in that. Yeah, they yeah. took it back home. They had an auction. They had a, they had a dino auction, didn't they? And the dino's in the house. Yeah. Anyway, um, James, do you know much about Society of the Snow before I describe Only it? Only just sort of drips and drabs right. since the film has been a thing. But okay. I, don't, I don't know the story, no. So it's based on an incredible true story. And I will say that I um, knew elements of this story. Mm. There's a particularly sort of infamous element to this story, but I did not know all the details and I'm glad I didn't because there were, even though I knew I think I knew significant details of the story the film divulged so much more information that and I, and I was still shocked and surprised so however much you know don't know anymore I would say stop and if you know nothing about the story I'm going to give you a very objective unspoilerific pricey mm-hmm. but then you can go into the film without it so uh, story previously adapted into a movie in the 1990s with an American cast, but now made with Uruguayan and Argentine actors, a lot of whom this is their debut film. So it takes place in October 1972, uh, follows predominantly the team of a Uruguayan rugby uh, group, people in their early 20s. They make up about 20 of 45 people on a flight from Montevideo in Uruguay to Santiago in Chile in October 1972. It's a true story. The plane flight, this sort of propeller, biprop plane, whatever, flies... Um, that's not biprop, is it? I don't know. I don't know my planes. <laughs> that's like the way you said it. I was like, that's, that's not, not true. true. <laughs> a, a plane, but it has... T- whatever. A, a, it's a plane. Spitty bits. <sighs> a plane flying... Fr- uh, flies over the Andes in order to get to um, the Chile, in order to get to Chile, encounters severe difficulty and ends up crash landing on a glacier in the middle of the Andes. Okay? Like the worst There's a really quite terrifying, one of the most terrifying plane crash sequences I've seen in a long time, in which the plane is severed in two. That's what happens. The film strikes the the plane strikes a ridge. The rear of the plane is removed, and then the, the the fuselage rockets down and becomes to finish. It comes to settle in this glacier in the middle of the Andes. Mm. And of the forty five people on board, you have about thirty survivors, um, sort of huddled together in this fuselage. And you know they are in a place where there is no life, and life is not meant to survive. There is no vegetation. There is no anim- There are no animals. The, the actual place that the, the glacier they landed on did not have a name at the time because no one had been there. It, they are in the middle of the desolate, remote Andes region, okay? Their, their plane and is... sorry, glacier, they're like literally on a body oh, of ice. Uh, uh, it, it, I mean, it, 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 they're on a... Uh, yes, but that's not like... It's not like they're uh, stepping over crevasses within this sort of... Uh, imagine it's... Yeah. They are on top of a glacier, but it's it's covered in snow. So, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So... It, it's basically just a, a yeah. selection of earth. But they, you know, the plane, which itself is white, is in this limitless expanse of white snow. They are, some of the um, people had never seen snow before. They, they, they were young guys from Uruguay. They'd never actually seen snow before. And they find themselves stuck there. So the film then follows the kind of their efforts to survive after the plane crash. They found themselves having survived the plane crash. They need to then survive. And like I said, I, I've that's that's just the bare the bare amount of detail, and uh, go in knowing only that really. Um, so first thing to say, uh, it's the story that is incredible, really genuinely incredible. Oh, really and sold. even knowing what I know about the story, there are things that happen, and I thought, oh my god, there are things that are harrowing, 
and bleak and terrifying, but also magnificent as well. And um, I, I, saw, I watched it at home on Netflix, but in a way I really wish I'd seen it in the cinema because sequences such as the plane crash sequence at the beginning and some of the environmental conditions that happen on on the glacier like is just genuinely terrifying i think the film has this really uh it really understands the um the sublime power and and sublime situation they find themselves and what i mean by sublime is is like the the, it's shot genuine it's actually shot where the plane crash happened in the andes and you're in this beautiful mountain range i mean you've got clear blue sky constantly and you've got these awesome just staggering uh, still be the beautiful stillness and power of nature all around you which is beautiful but at the same time for those for the very same reasons that it's beautiful it's completely terrifying because it, it is so remote and desolate and the, i just i think the film really captures that well you have it, uh, gorgeous shots of sunshine reflecting off the fuselage and you know moments of conversation between the survivors but my goodness it's also absolutely terrifying which i think i think that's really really uh that's a really clever way the film leans into that it's like it, it captures it in a way that you're like this is almost not earth this is a plane of existence far removed from from mankind might this as well is, be another planet it, might as, it literally might as well be another planet it's almost it's almost like a divine level it's like purgatory mm. hell even really really strange um and really that's a really strength of the film um it's about the precariousness of life but also the perseverance of life um it is two hours and 20, but absolutely fills that runtime. When I sat down to watch it, I thought that's quite a long, mm. I don't know how it's going to fill it. But then uh, very quickly, I realized um, uh, that it could, that it could do, it, do it easily. Um, I think the thing is, is that the film also arrived at about 40 minutes into the film. The film arrives at a, a moral and ethical dilemma, uh, which is very, very famous to this story. And I think the way that the film handles that and then subsequent things to, to, to do with that with this story i think was really sensitive and respectful mm. but also gripping and compelling and I, I i think it was able to in, engage you in the story without feeling like it was exploiting the the events of, mm. of what these people went through um it's it's it gets under your skin it's cold and it's bleak and after you finish it you will find yourself returning to it in your mind and finding it hard to shake and thinking my God, but what about, but what about that? What about that? And um, there is a moment towards the end of the film where um, <coughs> it, the film executes something that it has kind of been building up towards for like two, two hours and 20. And like J.A. Biona understands the gravity of that moment. And the way there's just one particular shot, the way it's done, it, it is a soaring moment that I was like, that is pure cinema right there. It is like why we enjoy stories mm. and it it delivers something that you just feel it almost in your body. You go, oh, what a brilliant moment of cinema that was for understanding exactly what that moment needed to happen. Mm. Um, I, thought it, I thought it was great. So I think it's a really, really gripping, uh, solid, respectful telling of an incredible story that's beautifully shot and just um, even now, when I think about the story, I just think, my God, yeah. it's it's yes, it's bleak, it's but it also, cinema. but it's enduring, and it's and it's um, it's despite the bleak the, the the bleakness of the situation, like it is also about the bonds between them, and um, and yeah, uh, trying to survive in this in this place where survival is not possible. Society of the Snow check it out i think it's i think it'd be worth your time full thumbs up from george yeah i think so yeah, you I, sold re- me. I, I really sold do me. i really like it when a true true life story about you know something sort of uh, about adversity or tragedy uh, captures that really in a very appropriate way yeah. that also manages to get an emotional beat out of it like remember we both thought 13 lives was a really competent yes. film that, that was very gripping and very dry as well but in a way that felt very like sincere and matter of yes. fact to the truth of that story um, yeah. I wonder if sort of in a similar way that would yeah. kind of feel like it I was also having an artistic integrity and remember like the respect for how they would have shot the cave sequences in 13 lives it was like that's so good to capture that yes. and communicate it on screen effectively I think I, I, which I think would have been lost on the news I think yeah and I do th- I, I was thinking about 13 lives afterwards because I think that's a good film that not enough people saw yeah because it was dumped I recommend on it quite Amazon, a lot I think, instead of really yeah. getting a good release great and performances like Vegan Monson Joel Edgerton in there that's a, and that's a great and again that's like that's a really great story and I think Society of the Snow is, is, is like is like 13 lives but 
I wouldn't say the stakes, the stakes are high, but the stakes were high with 13 lives, but it's like yeah. the, the I conditions pretty high. are just, it's, it's like on, it's like they've turned it up to extreme. It's just everything yeah. that can th- like, Oh, it's, Oh, yeah. to- you totally sold me. Oh, good. Oh, I'm good. so glad, glad I didn't, um, that wouldn't cr- cross me by because we've sort of spoken about, it's really hard even for us to try and keep a pin on yeah. all of the films that are coming through. Like it, we rely on recommendations yeah. from you guys and from each other, but yeah, great guys. Uh, do, do we have an email from Society we, I don't Snowden? think we do. That's fine. Uh, guys, if you wanted to send your thoughts uh, about Society of the Snow, and if you agree with George or disagree with George, please send your thoughts in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you on the show. James, I'm so excited because you've finally seen All of Us Strangers, which mm-hmm. I've been kind of drip-feeding, talking and mentioning about on the show ever since I saw it. And I will say, I think even a way I might have undersold it in the sense that Ever since I saw it back in October, it really did stay in my mind. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts. I feel like it's a film that, um, is, is it to our taste? To our taste? Yeah, because I feel like we've, we've yeah, I um, like I, I'm surprised having seen this, that Andrew Scott wasn't nominated for- uh, It's criminal. Academy Award. I, I think it's absolutely criminal, like, in particular for a So many for great crowd. nominees up there, but I'm like, that performance, belo- I'll get into my review, but that performance belongs right up there with the rest of them. Everyone in it is great. It's, it's a four piece between like four, it's four of my favorite actors yes. working right now, literally. And also but, Andrew Haig, the director ha- has literally said, he's like, yeah, all the performances are great because crucially Claire Foy and Paul Maskell have been nominated for BAFTAs, mm. but Andrew Scott hasn't. And Andrew Haig was like, he makes the film. He's he, so good It doesn't it. work without Andrew Scott. Snub. It's snub. complete snub, really People criminal. are talking about, oh, Ryan Gosling, Barb, it's nonsense. Nonsense, like, absolute nonsense. This, this, is the, this is the, I can't believe it. Like, I, know. I don't know what, I mean, I'm sure Andrew Scott's going to be fine. He'll have plenty of good roles. But I'm like, this is, if you're not getting it for this, no, no. do you think it's release date? Do you think it's, because it's a kind of film that does usually get awards I, attention. I think it's more that like, I can understand him not being nominated for an Oscar more, only because it's like, in the US, that film is probably a much smaller release yeah. than it is here. Uh, it's not got- Andrew Scott's not a big US He's name. not a big US name. Um, uh, even, even the other actors, like Paul Meskel was able to get a nomination for After Sun last year. And yeah. I thought we'd be able to do the same thing here, but he's a, he is a big name, but yeah. um, Andrew Haig isn't as great, a, a bigger director over there. I just, I think it's sad, but I'm like the lobby for all of us strangers is probably smaller. Yeah. Um, whereas in the UK, Andrew Scott is a, it's a, it's a household name. We, we everyone knows who Andrew Scott it's is. Brilliant. Paul Meskel, obviously, everyone knows, and so Claire Foy and Jamie Bell as well. And you know, the, at the BAFTA nominations, it did. It got nominated for best British film, best director, best supporting actor, best yeah. supporting actress. And I just do, I do not understand how it can receive recognition for all those things, but not. Yeah. For I mean, meanwhile, that you have a film like Rustin. Which is which Coleman, which I've not seen, yeah. and Coleman Domingo has been nominated for his performance in that. And I don't get me wrong, I've not seen it. I love Coleman Domingo, good actor. Yeah. But that what I find so bizarre is that film had absolutely no yeah. chatter From in the UK. No. That film completely passed everyone by. When the it's BAFTA weird, nominations came it? out, I, I have friends who follow film, and they were like, yeah. "What the hell is a Rustin? What yeah. is that?" And it turned out that film came out in November, and I do not understand for a film like like. It's got nothing to do with the release dates because like I said, it's been recognized in other categories. Yeah. So I, it's important yeah. to remember like to not over hyperfixate on the Academy Awards. No. Like they are not the, the be all end all of what is good in no. cinema. But anyway, snub, <laughs> major, major snub. All of Us Strangers, as George said, reviewed it a few weeks ago when he saw it at the London Film Festival. So go and check out his review if you haven't already. Directed by Andrew Haig, uh, based on a novel called Strangers by the Japanese writer Taichi Yamada. Star, if I told you these four actors were playing in a theater in London. Oh yeah. The tickets were 200 quid. I would not need to ask you what play it was. I'd just be like a hundred percent. Yes. It's a four piece. It's an intimate family drama. Yeah. Blah, blah. Right, done. Sold. Yeah. Any, any time you would just kill to be with any of those actors. I love them all. Stars Andrew Scott as Adam, Paul Meskel, uh, Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. So Andrew Scott plays Adam in who plays, he plays an, a very isolated screenwriter and sort of film opens with him gazing lustfully over a very hazy London. He's very sort of isolated and he's distant from this 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 London and he's in this sort of very slightly stale tower mm. block where it doesn't really seem like there's anyone else who lives there. And he's sort of struggling to write or to find inspiration for his writing. And he starts to write something. And as this happens, two major things happen to him. One is that he slowly develops a new relationship with uh, his neighbor, Harry, played by Paul Meskel, who seems to be one of the only other people in the building 
who after a sort of fire alarm incident catch eyes through through their balconies and he drunkenly decides to knock on his door and ask to come in and you know they sort of develop this very intimate new relationship there's a bit of a generational divide between them and they're both sort of opening up in different ways uh while this is happening he is also through some sort of like unwinding dreamscape heads down on the train to suburban croydon where he grew up and goes to visit his parents who passed away when he was younger. And he is visiting them at the same age that he is now, almost completely untampered, mm. un- unchanged from the, from the time that they were before they died. And they're played by Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. And they are almost not, it sort of exists in a kind of dream logic where they're actually quite pleased to see him after a while, but they're not sort of acknowledging that anything has happened. It's very much like they're catching up genuinely and finding out who each other are. And Mm. that same way you would if you were just genuinely trying to understand who your parents were. Um, And so the film structurally is this emotional tether between these two forces. You've got Adam, being, you know, uh, pulling him in one direction, forcing him to con- confront his all sorts of un- unaddressed feelings about being gay and what that means and developing this new relationship, as well as explaining his homosexuality to his parents and mm. getting them in their old fashioned mindset to understand it. And conversations he was never able to have. Conversations never able to have. His parents died when, he was, when mm. he was 12. Um, and things that I think all things about loneliness, things that were missing from his life sort of almost trying to justify who he is now and having to explain it when he's never had the chance to. It's a it's a deeply, deeply personal film, mm. a very intimate experience, heavily cathartic. Mm. And I thought, as I, I know this is adapted from a novel, but I did to do some research afterwards. I was like, how much of this is a personal story for Andrew mm. Haig? And I think it's, it's obviously adapted, but Andrew Haig uh, is very personal to Andrew Haig. They even shot mm. in his house that he grew up in, in Croydon. So he's directly sort of evoking that this is a story of mine. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 the scenes between Adam and his parents underscore this emotional connection between yeah. the director and material. You really do get the sense that you're listening in on this like, sort of group that family, family session. Um, it floats along and deals in a very metaphysical domain. Oftentimes people will say, I- I'm not even sure if this is real. And mm-hmm. we wake up and we go to different places. Um, I think I think I think it was just completely beautiful mm. and heartbreaking and I just was completely mesmerized by it. Some of my favorite scenes were when uh uh, Andrew Scott had individual conversations with his mum yeah. and his dad and how different they were and trying to understand, to get his parents to understand his identity now and talking about loneliness. One time he, he has to come out to his mum and Claire Foy is like, in this sort of very old-fashioned says, she said, oh, that's okay and people know about it. It's like, yeah, they know about it and it's fine. It's a little bit different now. But like, it's a very lonely life, I think, oh, she says. And she says, well, people don't really say that anymore and if I'm lonely, it's not because I'm gay. Mm. And sort of being confronted with loneliness in, yeah. in a different context is forcing him to think about how fact he is lonely, but is it because he's gay and that's like an old fashioned stereotype or is it just because he is lonely? Um, I, I, this, I thought the main thing I thought about this idea that it's, it's ruining the idea that time actually heals all wounds mm. when really if you don't address these wounds within yourself, they will like fester yeah. and burn until you address them uh, and just basically tear you apart. I loved the emotional contrast between what's happening with Paul Meskel hmm. and what's happening with him and his parents yeah. and how a new relationship can really... When you meet someone new, I think you're always confronted with their ideologies and you're then faced with yours and you sort of yeah. test each other on ways in which you see the world. There's this um, different sort of dynamic of them uh, experiencing being gay in different ways and Andrew Scott sexually not quite in the same headspace mm. as Paul Meskel but th- I thought it was a really well balanced emotional plane for the film and I just thought it really really worked um, it's devastating yeah, it it's is, completely yeah, devastating you, so yeah. this is what was really funny so I saw it like great time to see a film I saw it on a Friday at like 11.20am screening which is great great time to see the cinema and I saw it at like quite a small curse of the screening but it was f- fairly full it was like 14 of us in this very small screening and like in the last 25 minutes, yeah. it's quite funny. Like I'm sad and I, I, I wouldn't say I'm crying, but like I'm definitely feeling it. And in the screening, you just start to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like the last 20 minutes. And I'm almost like smiling because I'm in this, in this room yeah. with a communal sob. Which is 
what <laughs> cinema is all about. What cinema is all about. And I left the screening being like, oh, yeah. ready to face the day. Um, performances are just yeah. fantastic and really, really well placed. It's beautiful to look at. It floats at just the right, hums at just the right frequency to get you mm. to where you need to be. Um, and in some of the scenes towards the end, I think if I was to criticize it, yes, I see them coming. And yes, maybe I feel like I'm in, I'm, in a very cathartic therapy session for someone who's writing and directing and making this film, be that Andrew Haig, be that the novelist, be that the actors involved, but it works and it's very, very well done. Mm. And, um, it just, it just left me feeling very, very enriched. And I highly recommend it. If you, if you haven't seen it, it's beautiful. Top, top performances, just absolutely going for it. I had a very, very strong emotional response to it and it stuck with me. Yeah, totally. And it's just, it gets it gets all the awards for me. I, I, I agree. I want to say, um, I'm so glad you, you agree too. And I, I'm, we're just going to get on in a second to some emails from people, but like, uh, yeah, I, that there's something about, I, I wanted to hug Andrew Scott in it. He yeah. had this kind of like deep loneliness and um, I, what's, what, I've, what I've enjoyed is I've, speaking to like my gay friends who have seen it as well about what they what they thought about it. Because when I saw it, I, I also thought that scene where he first speaks to Killer 4 and he starts to have that coming out experience, I thought, oh, this is really doing something quite That's important. Favorite, because yeah. like, it, that film is so much about... Um, because, of, because of he lost his parents when he was younger, he wasn't able to have a coming out experience. Yeah. And it has affected the way he engages with, um, with being gay as, as, as part of his identity. In, in later life. And I love that some of the conversations, this is what some of my gay friends were saying, that like the generational difference yeah. about, I believe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't just seen it, but like, um, it doesn't, uh, it, Paul Meskell asks Andrew Scott if he's queer and, he, and Andrew Scott says, yeah, they have this I, conversation like, about well, when I was young, queer. go queer was an insult. And then yeah. Paul Meskell says, well, when I was young, being called gay was an insult. Yes. And like, that's so interesting. And, um, you know, I, I have everyone gay, has different language at different totally. generations that's acceptable. And, and, you know, my gay friends have told me about that that idea of the loneliness thing is is really specific and really true um and i and then it rang really true for them i mean yeah and and, and i i also know someone who who is very similar to the actual character of of, of uh adam who who like uh, you know lost one of his parents and it was so uncanny the resemblance and i think it's wonderful we i mean i want to talk about it in more depth i think we'd probably want to talk about the, maybe the detail of it and we'll do yeah. that in the bonus episode but let's hear what everyone else has to say about it Friend of the show, Honey, writes in about all of us strangers. She says, hello, my favourite filmy boys. Just a quick one from me. I write to tell you with tears flooding down my cheeks, my eyes are stinging. I have forgotten how to breathe. Just this second, I have finished watching all of us strangers. And in capital letters, Jesus Christ, I am a wreck. An incredible film. And I can't believe Andrew Scott wasn't nominated for an Oscar for this role. Easily the best performance I've seen in a long time. Love you, Honey. P.S. Please pray that I recover from this immense heartbreak. I feel like Andrew Hart is, Andrew Haig has just ripped my heart out and stamped on it. That's some honey. We also have... Sorry, just like, it's, it, it is a very dramatic film. Mm. And the scenes that really, like, get you, you could have, I could have told you within the first half an hour that this scene would probably happen. But, like, it just manages to really get away with it. And the yeah. performances, and I think, I think it's a really great writing as well. Yeah. That does, it's like, like coming, I think in cinema as well, you talk about coming out to your, to your parents. That's very rarely been done in that way before. Mm. Usually it's this, like, oh, I'm gay and yeah. this and that. And if you don't love me who I am, it's just very yeah. sort of one note. And is this just was really, like, conversational and small. And what, what I find quite interesting. to measure someone else's values and sort of yeah. readjust them. I find it quite interesting that the film is was heavily sold on being this kind of um, emotional romance between uh, Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal, when really I'd say that's yeah. only 40% of the film. I would say yeah. it is actually predominantly about his relationship with his parents. Yeah. Um, but uh, even on the poster, like Claire Foy and Jamie Bell are barely on it. Like they're just like yeah. a shadow in it. Um, this email from Sam about all of us strangers who uh, he wrote in about Anatomy Before, loving it, but also he says, I have to say, all of us strangers took the biscuit this weekend, taking me through every emotion possible. I can safely say Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell are my favorite on-screen couple. Yeah. And the scenes with Claire Foy and Andrew Scott were some of the most beautiful I have seen in a long time. We should also say beautifully shot. Yeah, beautiful. Stunning use of sunset and color. And like very emotional and... colors. Yes. You know, with the, 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 or- the burning orange. 
Strange. Yeah, Shining. Too. I thought they had great chemistry. Mm. Everyone has good chemistry, Everyone's, but yeah. Mescal, uh, considering the, the romance, Mescal and um, Scott had very, very good chemistry. Also, and I, chemistry I will finish. Um, I will finish Sam's email, but I, I, it's a film that really understands the emotional power of an '80s pop song. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, like it has a really selective but particular use of music throughout and some 90s stuff there's a blizzard, yeah. uh, like a blur needle drop in it but like all of the music in it I think it was really well used and timed and uh, uh, brilliant anyway um, uh, Sam goes on to say as someone who has lost someone close to me recently I really connected with this movie and it made me really think that there is never a time to leave things unsaid in any mm. situation whether this be towards family or friends. So well done, Andrew Haig and team. You have, in my eyes, created the film of the year and I would encourage as many people to see it as possible in the cinema. No question this week. Just want to say how much I enjoyed these two films, that and Anatomy of a Fall. And I say big thank you for bringing them to my attention. Um, yeah, Sam, uh, agree. And also more. Would you like more? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, Craig see. writes about all of us strangers. He says, hello, gents. Just to preface, if you do read my email on the show, my, con- my partner is okay with me speaking about them, him. Okay. As a bisexual man, I was very much prepared for this film to break my heart as I'm a sucker for heartbreaking tales. That's why I also like, I, when you said, is it to our taste? Like, it's definitely to, I think it is to my taste. Yeah. Uh, I do like, I guess I, and I realized when I was watching, it, I was like, this is to my taste because I like heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. But what I didn't expect, writes Craig, um, was how personal I found this story. I resonated and many in the community will with the loneliness and isolation felt by Andrew Scott's character. Really well captured, I yeah. thought, that sense of like uh, isolation in an urban environment mm. and how that feels, even oh, though you're God, amongst yeah. so many other people. Like, just like him catching the train. Yes. Like, that, yeah. that nobody else has ever really shown except for one time. It's yeah. this very solitary solo thing that he does. And also when he like eats chips in the park, when he goes back, yeah. there's something childlike, or adolescent about that. And that's when he first encounters Jamie Bell's character. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, Still feeling the painful loneliness as an adult that you felt as a child growing up queer is real for us all. The joke being that a mother from the 80s is asking these silly questions, but people ask you these same questions now about assuming you have a girlfriend, getting married, having kids, risk of STDs, when they find out you're queer and it can feel so isolating. Um, the, The almost shame I can see in Scott's eyes at the start of the film when Paul Meskell turns up to the door broke me immediately as I have been there, hiding my feelings out of fear and my own deep seated shame. My second point my second point is essentially secondhand pain. My boyfriend lost one of his parents in his early teens. We've been together for over five years and he still finds it too painful to speak about even now. But when we have spoken about it, he mentions that, he, he, that the regret he feels in the conversations that he never had with his mum. She never knew he was gay and he always wonders how his life would have turned out, what she would have said, etc. had these things gone differently. Seeing this actually play out on screen was very tough and it felt a little too real. I know he would give anything to have that conversation and just know she's proud of who he is now. It all filled me with so much pain, love and heartbreak for my partner and appreciation for my own parents. Hats off to the director, writer and all of the cast that made this feel so real and personal. Andrew Scott deserves so much recognition for this. I'm writing this having been out of the cinema for less than an hour and I'm still crying Sorry, on my bed Sarah. at home. Sirens on our end. The film is beautiful in every way, but please approach with caution as it can be yeah. extremely triggering. It'll make you want to just give your parents the biggest uh, yes. hug and say you did great thank you for yeah. just being here and being around yeah it's um i i it's a, it's a it's a really staggering piece of work and and in terms of andrew hager's director i mentioned this when i reviewed it but please go out and check his other work yeah so weekend is probably the film closest to all of us strangers it's, it takes a, um, a relationship between two guys over, over the course of a weekend and the intimacy and the observations about gay life and, and gay identity in that film are very much the ingredients of that are drawn very much through into all of us strangers i also like 45 years as well which is a film i've mentioned a few times on the show and what i like about what i'm realizing now across his work although i've not seen lean on pete or his tv show the north water uh, or lurking which is his uh, executive produced tv show but with 45 years which is about a, you know a straight couple in their 70s is that he, he the observation of a couple the observation of a relationship mm. i see across all of his work now as being really really apt and in fact like the way he he captures intimacy in 45 years there's actually a love scene between uh, tom courtney and charlotte rampling so and i and i and i think now i'm like when was the last time we saw a, like a, a, a played straight in a, a loving intimate sex scene between people over a certain age and like yeah. that's brilliant and i and I'm, I'm starting to realize now that andrew hay kind of is becoming one of my favorite directors because he just has a great emotional keel and sense and 
I would just again applaud. Go, please go and watch Forty Five Years and 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 Weekend. Um, it's also not enough um, films that sort of capture that sense of when you get to the same age your parents were when they did something. Yes, it could yeah, be anything. So it could yeah. be when they died or when they had you or mm. when they did a certain thing, and it completely reframes mm. your understanding of what you thought they were as a kid. Yeah, because that's something everyone kind of goes through when you're like, oh yeah, like. Also, I'm interested. I remember my dad at this age. I can't remember if I mentioned this in my review, but, and I don't, I haven't really kind of come to the end of this thought. I don't know what it means, but I think there's also something with the fact that um, Andrew, Adam, the character's um, uh, association with masculinity is very much stunted and locked in the 80s because of what happened with his parents. And what I mean by that is, it's like you have this strange mirror image of mustachioed, Jamie Bell mm-hmm. and mustachioed Paul Mescal. And, yeah. and it's like the mustachioed man of the eighties of Frankie goes to Hollywood was very much, would have been very present and it informed, I don't know, Adam's perception of, of men in his life. I don't know. I'm really reaching here, but I think I'm just, there's something there I'm trying to tease out with. And when Paul Mescal turns up with his mustache, it's like, Oh yeah, you're, you're reminding re- me of a, uh, but also repurposing it in a modern, yes. through a modern lens yes. and making it his own. I think <laughs> so. There are elements of the story that we will probably talk about. Would you want to? Talk, would you like to talk about it? In, in, yeah, we can do. I mean, like it would just be. We won't spoil it. Nothing. No spoilers on the main show. Yeah, we no. can. We can talk. I about think. It, we, I think we can because I've had a lot of people ask me about the ending of the film. Fine. Yeah, we'll and do. We'll, uh, we'll talk about it briefly in the bonus for this. So, thing, so check that uh, out. stay out for that. But as many of you have, if you've seen all of us strangers, please write in and let us know your thoughts. Do hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just go and see it. Yeah. Also, not to trivialise the whole conversation, but Andrew Scott is 47 and you would oh, not believe he it. Great. He looks fantastic. Oh, what a great looking man. He should, some brands should be jumping all over his skin. I, I think we look older than he does. Yeah. We look more, I, mean, I know you've been I also think that he's, um, I've noticed like when you look at him from five, six years ago, he's had a good glow up. Mm. He's had a good little like, little, getting a bit bigger. Yeah. Coming out of Hollywood. Like in Sherlock, like he looks fine, but like in all of us strangers. Great. Anyway, that was all of us strangers. Seen him on seen him on radio radio two with Zoe Ball, fan of the show. Mm. Um he likes knitwear like us. He does, he does like but Paul Mescal too, he likes a good bit of knitwear. Paul Mescal is very much embracing that kind of like he has such raw sexiness. He doesn't need to actually like he like he's he's in, he can make scruffy look quite stylish. If you yeah. look at Paul Mescal's style, it's very kind of relaxed. You know, whatever, scruffy. That's very insulting. I didn't mean to be like that. He's, he's like... But yeah, I mean, Paul, Paul Mescal can do no wrong. I think Gladiator 2 will definitely put him in the um, mainstream for the Americans. And also get him out of being sad. Yeah, He's yeah. been sad in a lot of movies you now. Know, I mean, Gladiator's quite... Gladiator, Gladiator 1 was sad. I know, but he Russell will... Russell Crowe is very but, mopey. But, but he'll be one. sad with a sword in his hand. Oh, I can't so, wait. So I can't wait. I'm, I'm all for Sweaty, that. Sweaty, sandy, bit of blood on there's, there. You're not going to tell me that there's going to be a bit in this Ridley Scott Gladiator 2 where he's going to sort yeah. of cry and be sort of like, do his after sun stuff. I don't yeah. think so, is it? Do you think he will keep the mullet? Uh, the gladiator mullet if he's got it now then he must have kept it during filming and do you think they will because i don't think they can do this it's too much of a meme do you think there will be a hand floating over some like wheat fields i think more hand picking up the sand of the arena and rubbing it it, uh, running it through the fingers through yeah blood bloody hand how many how much blood has been spilled on this land do you think he won't talk like that he'll like shout to the crowd and are you not do you think he'll do the are you not entertained but a different version different yeah do you think it's gonna be really formulaic Oh, well, look. I can't tell if it's going to be safe. It's we're funny, just talking but, about Gladiator 2. Sorry, now, we're talking right? about Gladiator 2. But the thing about Ridley Scott, and we talked about this with James from Raiders of the Lost Podcast, Go check out the podcast. who was a big fan of Ridley Scott. And really yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved I, it. I, I, I think Ridley Scott's output is declining. And, and, and he's made he's doing too many films. He's made too many films, and he's making a lot of lackluster films. <laughs> I, I love how, say. like, most filmmakers, like, there was like a gap in COVID where nobody made anything. And he's like, what are you talking about? What COVID? I made seven films <laughs> yeah. in the last six years. <laughs> like, I'm fine. He's thriving. But also, um, I love seeing Jamie Bell and everything. Like, I, yeah, I just like every time I see him, like more, please, more yeah. Jamie Bell. Um, all four of them, fantastic. Can't wait to see what they all do and the director does next. George, shall we read some of the emails that we got sent into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com? The other weekend, I sat down with my family and we just flicked Bridesmaids on. Oh, yeah. And I already told you about this, but in my review of Anyone But You, which you can check out, I made this comment that I couldn't properly understand because i hadn't really seen it in film before of that wedding in that film yeah. and the setting and the location the cast and all of it feeling empty and hollow and like there wasn't a real wedding and yeah. there weren't real people and it didn't have a sense of place and that they were actually people existing yeah, yeah. in this thing and then 
I went to, to watch Bridesmaids, which is you know, one of the best comedies of the last few years. And I'm watching this film, which also has a wedding in it. And I'm literally like, my, I hit my head and I go, this is a real wedding. Yeah, yeah. There are real people here. And I actually believe that there's things happening outside of the camera frame. And it, there's only like two real big scenes, which is the engagement party and the bridal shower. Mm. And I totally believe there's everyone here and it has a real sense of place. Mm. And then I look back at anyone at you. I'm like, yeah, that totally feels like people rented an Airbnb. And I just want to confirm my, my, my thoughts and go see the difference yeah, yeah. between anyone at you feeling hollow. Uh, I also, while I was very sick, watched. Um, the Parent Trap with Talia. Ten out of ten film. Really? Never seen it. It was. I've I've seen it maybe ten times, but wow. only as a kid. Lindsay Lohan should get an Oscar. Okay, I'll, she is brilliant in I'll, that film. I'll I'll watch. It. I've never seen it. At all. I thought it was hilarious. It works for kids. It works for adults. It's very um, it's very uh, fantastical. Everyone's so wealthy in a fun way, yeah. and the the camp that she goes on, the American camp that she goes on when she was younger, is so idyllic yeah. and like just right. everything you'd want from a summer camp. Sorry, just want to throw that out there. This first email is from Ashling. Ashling writes in and says, "Hi James and George, I've recently found your podcast and wanted to say thanks for providing me with hours of entertainment, catching up on the podcast's previous episodes. You're welcome. Your brilliant insight into films, alongside the great banter, makes for one of the best podcasts around. Thank you. My question for you is about childhood food, uh, childhood movies. I watched a film once when I was younger, and it has had a profound effect on me. It is called Simon Birch, and despite only seeing it once when I was seven, I'm still able to recount mm. its storyline in great detail. However, no one I know." has ever heard of it and never mind watch the movie i was wondering if there is a movie that you love that no one else remembers has slash has never watched before thanks again ashling your other irish fan sorry bevan <laughs> um i you know what simon birch is a film that i caught the last 20 minutes of when i was a kid on tv yeah. and i was like what the fuck and then i tried to read the book it's based on a prayer for owen meany by john irving when i was like 15 and i was yeah. like this is way above me i don't know what yeah. i'm doing um but films you yeah. I mean, my, my answer's Home Alone 3. No one's seen it or gives it any respect, but it's great. I said this the Merlin TV show with, um, well, it was, like, uh, it was like oh, a special yeah. with Sam Neill. Fantastic. Yeah, so good. Well, you, you've seen it? Yeah, the, with Sam Neill, yeah. You've, you've seen that? Yeah, like, like years oh, ago. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it like a so TV uh, special. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like an extended TV, I, uh, TV my dad, movie, really. My dad taped it on VHS. Oh, yeah, well, it, whenever yeah. I was ill, I would always watch that. It's yeah. Martin Short, Helen the Bottom Carter, yeah. loads of people who end up being in Game of Thrones, but in this beforehand. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have seen it, but oh, I, can, good. I don't remember it well. But oh, I love that. Okay, great. Next is, this next email is from Harry, who says, Hi, guys, Harry here. Just want to say, Bevan, you got this. Actually, Bevan went through a heartbreak. Yes. Bevan, the, the sirens are, are out you. for you in, in a positive way. Yeah. Oh, Parent Trap, great breakup film. Oh, very cool. Great breakup film. I wanted to write to you this week to gauge your opinions on the commercial failure of Indiana Jones and Disney in general. Mm. I was prompted to write this after James mentioned how many people were watching Dial of Destiny while on the plane to Cape Town. Yeah. A conglomerate that is, that is used to the assembly line worth millions of dollars seems to be making stupid decisions recently. $300 million on a fifth installment in a franchise that was last seen 15 years ago with a film that, o that only grossed just over $700 million and was critically panned. How was, how was Disney... How has Disney come up with this ludicrous idea to spend so much on something that seems obviously a risk? Have a guess which Marvel property cost the most post-Endgame. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and that makes perfect sense. However, now guess what is the second on that list? She-Hulk. No matter what you think of this show, this is, is incredibly weird. a stupid decision given the bombing of Marvel post-COVID. <clears throat> but Disney still went ahead with it. Madness, really. Looking at Star Wars also, there's been recently an announcement that there will be a Mandalorian film. This coming after suggestions slowing down Star Wars content really feels like an emergency move. Oh, that's an interesting term. I like that. Yeah. It's like a jet seat, um, what's it, eject, eject seat decision. This just shows the vicious circle that ensures when that is... This just shows the vicious circle that ensues when they don't know what they, to do with their money. I feel Disney constantly are shooting themselves in the foot and not adjusting to their for, not adjusting their forecasts. I swear I remember reading a while ago that Disney thought the Dial of Destiny would break $1 billion. What the hell? They obviously thought that this, this with the Marvels after Captain Marvel 2, but they just didn't bother to recognize their own audiences anymore. I do feel Disney Plus has had a massive effect on Disney for the worse. Mm. Sorry for the long round on Disney. They just really pissed me off of late. Personally thought Dial of Destiny was awful, but that's a story for another time. Keep up the good work, fellas. Siren of the show. Harry, sent from a Power Rangers morpher. I will say that um, the fourth Indiana Jones film, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, did make, I think, a lot of money. 
despite it being also yeah. crap. But it didn't cost anywhere near as much as I think. Dial Destiny. Yeah. Dial Destiny cost three hundred million, That's which is crazy. insane. That's an Avengers movie with like. Think about how many people are in an Avengers movie. I know. I know. Like you're paying for Downey Jr. as well. Yeah. I just don't. I don't understand where the money went in that film. It did not come across. Harry, that is a really good and impassioned email, and you're you're right. It's illogical and. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's also important to remember, like, Marvel, when we're sort of criticizing Marvel, like, Marvel was never getting a, a perfect score no. all the way through. No, no, no. Like, it's always been sketchy. We've always looked at certain films and be like, well, that didn't really work. Yeah. I think their best run was probably the Phase 3 lead into Infinity War and yeah. Endgame. Like, you got, uh, like, Doctor Strange 1, which is good, Civil War, yeah. Black Panther 1, can't remember what else, like, yeah. Guardians 2. two. Been, yeah. yeah, like, that's probably their best run, yeah. but it's never been, like... Homecoming and that's why yeah. it's never been like a perfect score but yeah. i just think um it just doesn't feel like they are making things that they're really interested in no. they're making sort of more disposable disposable uh content for themselves and i don't think the tv format the promise of, i saw this before the promise of like a marvel tv show is so much more exciting than what they've done yeah they've really shackled they really they've, as you say harry they've shot themselves in the foot James writes in uh, with a subject saying forgotten films and he says hi James and George this is a very random one as I was sitting alone minding my own business I remember the film Prince of Persia The Sands of Time 2010 oh, with God. Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. I haven't thought about this film in over a decade and wondered what other films have completely come and gone with nobody talking about them whether that be because they flopped at the time or just because people never cared enough just wondered if you had any other films just randomly pop into your head and you think oh yeah that movie exists keep up the great work James from Aberdeen so you've said yeah uh, on my my letterbox i actually have a i don't know if this is public but i have a list i've been collating of forgotten films we did it recently we talked about salmon, salmon fishing, fishing in the yeah, and water for elephants sorry just before you do can i say prince purge sounds of time uh totally not a good film as one of those films they look back on where they uh cast white actors and yes. darkened their skin like ben kingsley has got a lot of fake tan yeah. uh, in that film and it's uh, not a good film but the game sounds time brilliant um so yeah there i mean in the era of streaming there are a lot of and we talked about this before a lot of streaming films that come out that you go oh my god that film exists uh, yeah. so there's a film from 2017 with brad pitt called war machine which just and i i remember seeing that i was like do you remember that film no exactly okay but in terms of cinematic releases um do you remember the 2015 robert zemeckis movie called allied with brad pitt and marion cotillard yeah yeah yeah, yeah. where is that that film? wasn't that bad where is it though that's it's forgotten gone. it's He's gone, gone. Totally, it's been lost yeah. do you remember the rum diary with johnny depp yeah <laughs> yeah do you remember <coughs> the legend of tarzan with alexander skarsgård yeah, and margot robbie gone. and do you remember snake eyes the gi joe origin story with henry golding that came oh out God, 2021 no. absolutely i thought you meant like big budget bomb that was yeah because yeah. there's gi joe gi joe retaliation yeah that rocks yeah there it. were those kind of made it, but yeah. this oh yeah these films are just there they exist big big films that's the interesting is when they're a big film that didn't just disappear yeah. like vapor men in black international is another one yeah what a waste of time that was God, totally. men in black I think actually they've probably only made one good Men in Black film, I think. Yeah, it's just one. It's the first one, and it's good. I rewatched yeah. it recently. That's Men good. in Black 2 is possible. Yeah, and then you don't watch the third. Uh, Men in Black 1, Will Smith really sort of breaking onto the scene, then doing Independence Day at the same time, falling in love with him. But, you know, Go you you. Live, live long enough, see yourself become a villain, die a hero. <laughs> He's fucked it. <laughs> and this next email is uh, from a friend of the show, Honey, again, who also wrote in about all of us strangers. They're getting a few emails out, Honey. I like, I like a regular listener just like, boom, 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 emails, emails. Honey says, uh, writes in about Next Goal Wins, a film we haven't spoken about, we haven't reviewed. No. It was Taiko Titi's movie that came out over the weird period, post-Christmas, pre-New Year kind of thing. Um, Honey writes in to say, hello, gentlemen. This week I got to watch Next Goal Wins, Taiko Titi's new sports film. I'm a huge fan of Taika's earlier work, such as Boy, Hunt for the Wilder People, and Jojo Rabbit. I feel as though he has lost his way a little since joining Marvel. Although I hated Thor Love and Thunder, I hoped Next Goal Wins would be better. Mm. I was wrong. Uh, I found the film to be terrible. Half of the jokes written into it are the expense of a transgender character. It made it super uncomfortable to watch. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And there is a whole scene where the Michael Fassbender's character is dead naming the trans woman to show off his power and control over her and the football oh. team, which I found sickening and totally unnecessary. The film is based off a true story and apparently Strange. the real coach wasn't transphobic at all. So I find it utterly bizarre they would write this into the film. And dare I say, Fassbender's character was so unlikable, I just didn't care about him at all. I didn't laugh. I didn't enjoy it. I was so disappointed. I've officially fallen out of love with Taika Waititi. 
Waititi. Have you seen Next Girl Wins? How do you feel about Taika Waititi's filmography overall? I feel like Fassbender is quite miscast in that film. Yes, with a quite fake blonde beard. Like he's great. And I'm not saying he can't do funny. <clears throat> I just mean for, for that film, I'm just not sure he would be the right pick. Yeah, he, he doesn't screen comedy. And also, no. he even though I believe he, he, he's he can play a great comedic foil. Yes, but he, he, I don't. Yeah, I don't look at oh, to like shoulder a comedic film. Yeah. Also, he that from what I've gathered from the trailer, the the, the coach, the character, the character character is kind of a washed up figure. He doesn't yeah. look washed washed up. He looks incredibly fit and healthy <laughs> and like Michael Fassbender yeah. doing like a keto diet. Okay, <laughs> so he leans um, on the killer diet. And the thing is, it's true. Like with Taika Waititi. He's one of those weird filmmakers who I think has got progressively worse or de- law of diminishing returns. Boy is a great film, Daikwatiti. I've banged, banged on about that. I feel like the ages. louder he is, the worse he is. He should be sort of more like understated yeah, and funny. Like the more spoof he goes, the more I sort of. Yeah, the more silly. He can be really. The sillier he is, the less. Than, less like time Jojo Rabbit, World War II spoof, yeah. Fall of a Thunder, Marvel spoof. Yeah. Remember I told you it looked like those like. Um, scary movie films oh yeah that's oh. what thor love and thunder felt like but like a marvel version if they made superhero oh, movie wow. that's what thor love like, and meet thunder the spartans, would be. But, meet but, the spartans that that exact <gasps> thing that's a good oh wow yeah. thought about that um thank you honey i given your review i don't think i plan to watch yeah it. And what i will watch I just didn't hear enough good things what i, I will watch is what the film is based on which is the 2014 oh, documentary called next girl wins i'd rather yeah. just watch that well there you go guys we still have plenty of emails to read out but in the interest of time we will save them for another week but if you wanted to send your emails into the show you can do of course as always by sending them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com george shall we end with a game please george as always, Pop Kitchen ends with a game. With a game. Today, I have two either ors quickfire. I'm okay. going to give you two films, directors, entities, characters, foods. You've got to tell me which one in quickfire you like more. Okay. No, no, no thinking. No just pure nuts. gut. No judgment. Ready to go. Let's we get it. to know a little bit more do about it. what you like on a very quick fire basis. George, you've got two rounds. Are you ready? Yeah. George, you have to tell me which one of these you prefer. Edge of Tomorrow or War of the Worlds? Edge of Tomorrow. Dustin Hoffman or Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman. 300 or Sin City? Ooh, 300? Wallace and Gromit or Chicken Run? Wallace and Gromit. Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig? Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Salt and Vinegar or Cheese and Onion? Salt and Vinegar. The Shining or A Clockwork Orange? The Shining. James Bond or Jason Bourne? Jason Bourne. Tilda Swinton or Brian Cox? The actor or the scientist? The actor. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Uh, Jaws or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Jaws. E.T. or the Ewoks, the characters? E.T. Uh, Argo or Django Unchained? Django Unchained. Best nominated for Best Picture Django in 2013. 2013. Yeah, yeah. Argo won. It did. What was it? Was, he, was Ben Affleck upset that he got nominated? Well, Argo got nominated for everything apart from Best Director. Maybe did did he? I think, I think so. Because he won. I, th- I think also because he won Best Director of the Baftas, which is good. That was when the Baftas got things right. Yeah. Just gone. Anyway, <laughs> next round. George, are, are you ready? Sirens and Arrant. You have to tell me which one of these you prefer: Ridley Scott or David Fincher? David Fincher. Matilda or the BFG? The BFG. The King's Speech or the Iron Lady? The King's Speech. Killers of the Flower Moon or The Departed? The Departed. Cheaper by the Dozen 2 or Bridge to Terabithia? Not seen either. Go on. Uh, I guess Bridge to Terabithia. Nice. Still or Sparkling Water? Well, I need uh, still, I guess, because it's applicable all the time. (laughs) Knocked up or or super bad? Um, Super bad. (laughs) Nicolas Cage or Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe. Uh, Stephen Fry or Rowan Atkinson? Rowan Atkinson. House of Gucci or Ferrari? Oh, uh, both not great. I have to go with Ferrari because I just managed to get to the end of it. Star Trek Beyond or The Rise of Skywalker? What's Star... Oh, Star Trek Beyond. Mm, exactly. I, guess, I guess Star Trek Beyond. I think yeah, it's less damaging. It. Yeah. It's safe, self-contained. Yeah, that's it. Wow. <laughs> your, your still or sparkling water answer was such a weird technical one. When, when I, when it's just like... It's all about the availability or the functionality of it. It's like, but I'm like some people prefer well, sparkling water. But they, water. they serve different things. Like still water is like applicable all the time. It's thirst quenching. Yeah, but people are like, like at a dinner table. <laughs> I, do, I do sometimes like sparkling water. I, I, I do think it's very refreshing. And oh, it's fuck very sparkling nice. water. It's shit. It's not though. Oh, it's 
the worst. It's not. When you have it with ice and lots of ice oh, and a slice it's of lemon. It's awful. It doesn't quench thirst. It just tastes like... No, it does. It, it tastes it refreshes like a you. Oh, no, tank. You, you, you just want tastes to like it. tastes like scuba diving. No, it, you, it, you, it, it's very refreshing. Oh, you, I hate open it. Open your palate and embrace no, the carbonation. No, it's awful. It's awful. And it's not because I like... Duh, I, don't, I don't have it and go like, ugh, it's sparkly. It's more that I just... I generally, as, as a thing, as a thing that's meant to be water... Fuck sparkling it's, water. I think it's refreshing. Oh, God. Do you know what I, I don't like is flavoured water. Like, oh, no. When yeah. I have a bottle. I'm like, just do juice. Volvic touch of fruit. Yeah. I remember when that came out, It was I, I really liked it. Because it was like new. Is Vitel still a water brand? Yeah. We've, we've officially reached the end of the episode if we're talking about stuff like that. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> Hold on. I just wanted to ask. So you said... You like Killers of the Flower Moon over The Departed? No, I think I chose Departed because I've oh, seen it more Departed. times. I've seen it yeah, more yeah. times, so I'm more qualified to say that. Nice. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Those were the games for today. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And guys, we have a bonus episode coming out this week where we do spoilers for all of us strangers, where we also do a review of Nyad, the Annette Benning Best Actress nominated for an Oscar movie with also Jodie Foster in it. We review that and... We also review Band of Brothers. I've gone and rewatched it for the fourth time. Masters of the Air is out at the moment, but we return to what I might say is one of the best TV shows of all time. Let us know if you're enjoying Masters of the Air, if you're watching it. I'd love yes. to hear your thoughts as well. Hello at podcastpodcast.com. And as I've already mentioned this episode, please continue to follow us on Instagram and TikTok and socials. We're new posting new content, exciting stuff. Non, non this podcast yes. content. There's content we film outside of the studio that yeah. doesn't go on this With show that people. also goes on the, the Instagram and TikTok. So please continue to follow that. Like us, rate us, share us subscribe us all that stuff see you next week bye bye